Hello everyone, this is Darby and you are listening to the Kung Saan Saan Podcast. This is the part 3 of the Art of Getting Easily Fascinated series. Just an update, I deactivated all my social media accounts and I won't be back for a while. But this podcast will still be here. Just stay tuned every other Wednesday at 8pm. Again, that's every other Wednesday, 8pm. Today is a very, very special episode because this is the first collab of the podcast. When I started this podcast a few months ago, I did connect with interesting podcasters. One of them was Teacher Red of Hainayan at Agham. Hainayan is a Filipino word for biology and Agham is a Filipino word for science. I connected with him because I find his podcast really interesting, especially because I love science. And it was also refreshing because only a few of us dared to create a science-related podcast. I hope you enjoyed this collaboration. The title of the third episode is Tiny. I used to not like science. In elementary, I was in a special section where math and science were the priority. Eventually, in high school, I entered the science school. We study multiple fields of science compared to other schools. We do crazy experiments. If some schools dissect a frog, we debone it and study every part of the bone. And we dissect a cow's eye. I heard that the batch after us dissected a cockroach. We have a colloids day where we celebrate anything and everything about colloids while wearing a tie-dyed shirt and dancing like 1960s hippies high with marijuana. But I learned to love science in my 20s, not in high school. I suddenly enjoyed David Attenborough's documentaries on BBC and Neil deGrasse Tyson's Cosmos on National Geographic Channel. More than for studying purposes, science should be enjoyed. Why is science part of this art of getting easily fascinated series? Because science teaches us how to enjoy the things around us for free. Not only the things around us, but also the things not visible in our naked eyes. Being curious is free. I asked Teacher Red if he can record for the Kung Saan Saan podcast about the microscopic world and the things not visible in our naked eyes. The microscopic world intrigues me because this world that we cannot see could actually start a pandemic or could set a huge city on fire. Or it could also spark wonder, like how a drop of water is already an entire universe in itself. After listening to this collab, I hope you can see the world differently to appreciate small things, especially those we take for granted. Here's Teacher Red of Hainayan Atagam. The astronomer Carl Sagan once said that there were more stars in our universe than the grains of sand in the Earth's beaches. Whenever I am reminded of this quotation, I am always bombarded by the curious thought of how huge the whole universe is, to fit all the matter and spaces it contains. Every stars in the night sky are definitely much larger than the Earth, even much larger than our own Sun. If we will be very technical in this sense, the largest star known in the universe is Uy Scuti which is 1,700 times larger than our sun. And thinking about the relative size of the earth to the size of these celestial bodies, it is very easy to infer that the world that we know, present here on earth, is much smaller than a speck of dust if we are going to scale down the whole universe in just a piece of paper. Then think about the size of the earth's inhabitants. The blue whales, the elephants, 
then compare them to the size of humans. We are definitely minuscule compared to everything present in the whole universe or even only in this earth. But remember that even if this planet is considerably small, this terrestrial planet covered with lush vegetation and bodies of water, we can find life. Life that emerged from the Goldilocks zone in this solar system. The area where the planet's location to its star is neither too far nor too close, where the temperature is just right, and the conditions are just fine to create this collection of chemical reactions to produce life. As a teacher of general biology, one of the first things that I teach to my students is the definition of life and its characteristics, one of which is structural organization, that life can be organized into different hierarchies. From the largest, which is the biosphere, the niches, ecosystems, and habitat it contains, to the community of organisms, the species, population, everything can be organized. Then, if we will focus on the organization present in the body of a living organism, from the organ systems down to the individual organs to the representative tissues present in these organs, and the individual cells that compose these tissues, there is organization within us. A collection of complex matter, a collection of intricate carbon-based materials that are placed in our body strategically to serve a specific purpose. When we talk about life, cells are the smallest unit of it. Life is contained within the cells. Without them, life would be obsolete. This very small collection of organic compounds that can create a series of chemical reactions to produce the continuous transformation of matter provide the essence and the mechanisms of life. In my class, we use the definition of Fred Spire to define life as a regime that contains the hereditary program for defining and directing molecular mechanisms that actively extract matter and energy from the environment with the aid of which matter and energy are converted into building blocks for its own maintenance and possible reproduction. Life contains these processes. Life happens because of these chemical reactions, and all of which are present within our cells. Imagine, our body is made out of trillions of these, each are working specifically to make you, you, to sustain your life. And even though they seem very small, their impacts magnify. Cells are indeed very tiny, and for you to see the wonders of it, you need a spectacle, a device known as a microscope. Life is more than just what we can see and experience with our existing naked senses. In fact, there is an entire world hidden right in front of us. If we think that the universe is huge, well, there's a much more larger world under keen lenses in the microscope. Anthony van Leeuwenhoek, or in some books it is noted as Anton van Leeuwenhoek, the father of microbiology, once said, This was for me, among all the marvels that I have discovered in nature, the most marvelous of all. And I must say, for my part, that no more pleasant sight has ever yet come before my eyes that these many thousands of living creatures, seen all alive in a little drop of water, moving among one another, each several creature having its own proper motion. 
This was the anecdote of Liu Wenhook when he first observed the microscopic world present in just a drop of pond water. The microscopic world always amazes me. Imagine that we humans are relatively smaller than the planets and the stars, and the entirety of the cosmos. But if you will shift your focus on the tiniest of details present on common materials here on Earth, a peculiar sight will appear right in front of your eyes. When I am still handling Science 7 in the junior high school, it is always a planned laboratory discussion to teach my students the ins and outs of how to use a microscope. This device that can unravel a whole new world right in front of us. Every single time that we are doing this activity, I am reminded of the time when I was first immersed in the pursuit of this realm. It was during my last year in the elementary school. I can still vividly remember the time when I first saw a cell magnified in a microscope. It was during my grade 6 science class. Our advisor that time, Ms. Marukot, is probably one of the first teachers who made me realize that science will always be a special part of my life. Just a short read down the memory lane, during our stay in her care, as her advisory class, those moments made me closer to science, to this discipline. Being able to clean the science room every week and fix the science garden, even though it seemed like a very hard labor for a grade 6 pupil, I enjoyed it all. I can still remember the moment when I was assigned to clean the science garden. I always checked the small feature plants and the makeshift pond where I always observed the frog eggs which looked like tapioca balls and I am perplexed on how these eggs develop into tadpoles then to frogs. Some of the marvels of science that I observed in this very small garden. But, before I completely lose my whole train of thought, let's go back to the first time I quote-unquote saw a cell under the microscope. During that day, Miss Marukot tasked us to bring pig's blood so we can observe it under the device. It's actually the first time that I saw it in flesh. Not only illustrated in the textbook. Since I am that student who is very eager and curious about stuff, I am the one who volunteered to be the group leader and maneuver the knobs of this device. I know, I am not doing it right, but at that moment, I don't really care. I just want that experience, and the thrill that I will be the first person in our class who will see what this blood looks like under the lenses of the microscope. A little movement of the mirror on the base of the microscope, adjustment of the knobs, movement of the specimen. It took me like forever, until I saw this image. Eureka, I thought. Black dots, series of black and blurred dots. Then I hurriedly called our teacher to show to her what I saw. And to my surprise, Miss Maruko just smiled and shook her head and said, I got it wrong. I haven't rotated the nose piece to use the correct objective to show the right image. During that moment, my excitement became dread. I'm not expecting that I done it wrong. I just immediately go back to my seat, let my other classmates finish their observations, and I just finished the details in my experiment sheet. It took me a few years to really understand what I done wrong. What I should have done to save myself from that embarrassment. But in mistakes, there is knowledge and there is growth. 
with that mistake I committed years ago, it made me realize the value of accuracy, precision, recalibration, and focus. And these are actually the things I want to impart to my students when I do my microscopy in class. That first, you should always aim for accuracy and precision. Remember that in life, in general, not only in science, that having the same consistent results is a must. We apply this in measurement, and the reason why we have set of specific units like meters for length, Celsius for temperature, grams for mass. For instance, when it comes to medicine, you should always be correct for it to provide its effect to a sick individual. You should always be accurate and precise because it can cost someone else's life, or even yours, if you have the littlest of mistakes. A series of trial and error, then the concept of recalibration will now enter the picture. We need to learn how to recalibrate in life, for us to adapt, for us to grow, and to know our goal. Because I do believe that once all of these facets were recalibrated, you will now see your goal. And it is up to you to focus on it and see the great things that will unfold right in front of you. There's a lot that we can learn from this microscopic world. From one of the most resilient organisms in the planet to the genetic information contained by our cells and the non-living acellular pathogens that causes chaos in the world nowadays. Everything are contained on a realm smaller than a speck of dust. Let's start with this very peculiar organism known as water bear or moss hog, the tardigrades. The tardigrades are microscopic eight-legged animals that belong to the elite category of animals known as extremophiles, or the creatures that can survive in extreme harsh conditions that many organisms can't flourish nor survive. Exhibit A. Tardigrades can go up to 30 years without food or water. Exhibit B. They can live at temperatures as cold as absolute zero or live on locations having the temperature above boiling point of water. Exhibit C. They can survive at pressure six times that of the Earth's deepest trenches and abyss and even in the vacuum of space. There are around 1,300 species found worldwide, observed in variety of habitats from deep sea to sand dunes. But the key component for their resilience and uniqueness lies within the cells of the tardigrades, due to the unique protein in their bodies known as DSUP, or short for damage suppressors. These are proteins that protect their DNA from being harmed by things like ionizing radiation which is present in soil, water, and vegetation. These proteins are encoded because of the information stored in the DNA of these water bears. Like all organisms on Earth, we need our DNA to provide a blueprint for the structure and functions of the different parts of our bodies with the aid of central dogma or the gene expression. Various proteins in our body can be created, which makes every single one of us unique. Even though we all share the same metabolic processes, the information in our DNA will always dictate what will be our anatomy and physiology. Our individual and unique features are dictated by this material. If you will think about it, each single gram of DNA polymer can store 215 pentabytes of information, and each cell in the body has DNA. 
if we will stretch it in straight double helix, it is equivalent to the length of almost 2 meters. And let's say that each human has around 10 trillion cells. So, approximately, the DNA that we have in our whole genome has a great length of 20 trillion meters or around 2 million kilometers of DNA. Imagining this length is a lot. But, due to the specialized proteins in our nucleus known as histones, the DNA are properly organized inside our cells. All of those informations are inside our body. Even though they may seem very small since they are molecular in nature, it is true that big gifts come in small packages, and the DNA present in the body is the best gift present within us. Speaking of present, let's talk about the present. We're all currently baffled by the recent COVID-19 pandemic. We are facing an invisible enemy lurking in the world today. Invisible? Yes, in our naked eyes. Even though how small this disease-causing virus is, its effects to us humans is more than tenfolds. The world is already scarred by a lot of pathogens. Many lives are lost, but amidst these negative impacts of viruses, we can still use them to further progress as species. Please do not get me wrong. Yes, virus can be deadly, but if we will continue our research on how to properly use these viruses, these pathogenic acellular and non-living parasites, the world could be a better place for us, especially in the field of modern medicine. First, there are the vaccines. Inactive viruses, components, or in some cases, the genetic materials that they contain can be used to create vaccines which can help us to solve the same problem that was caused by this. For our body to be protected and to naturally create immunity against these pathogens. We already eradicated polio, smallpox, and we even created vaccines for hepatitis A and B and even vaccines for influenza. Then, we can also utilize these viruses after we hijack them and be used in gene therapy and probably one of the revolutionary key ingredients to combat certain diseases and illnesses like diabetes, HIV, and even cancer. These problems that are already existing long before all the shenanigans related to COVID. Because humans have the innate instinct of changing their environment for it to be better. And even the landscape of medicine and science, I am sure, and I am never losing hope that someday, all of this will be true because of these quote-unquote invisible materials. Let me conclude everything with this. They say that the best things in life come in small packages. And yes, in the case of the microscopic world, an invisible present right in front of us, there's a lot that we could really learn from them. A small organism, a small compound, a very small pathogen, and even the tiniest of materials that compose all matter, in the universe can create a magnitude of effects that could be beneficial or harmful to everyone. Having that certain type of focus in life will make you think of the small details. The small things that are usually negligible can have a huge impact to all of us. A small virus or organism can cause this pandemic. A small pathogen could also be its cure. 
a small act of kindness could change someone else's life. And even a moment of neglect can be a lifetime of regret. If you will think about this, even though we live in a macro world, even though you view it as a vast world, size will always be relative. It is a matter of perspective on how you will limit yourself. How will you limit everything? How will you limit your imagination? And how will these things, even though how small they seem, can affect us and probably change the course of our lives forever? Stay curious. Before we continue the podcast, I would just like to ask for your support. Since this podcast is important to me, as it is both my legacy project and passion project, I'd appreciate if you can help me and this podcast improve by sending in your comments, suggestions, and recommendations for future topics. Let this podcast be your podcast too, as you will help me improve every single week. Sharing this to your friends and family will also be appreciated. This podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. Finally, you can support this podcast by sending me a cup of coffee or two. Go to www.buymeacoffee.com slash kung saan saan. That's www.buymeacoffee.com slash kung saan saan. Now let's continue the episode. For the practice part, I want you to get a microscope. Just kidding, I know you don't have one. But we do not need a microscope to enjoy the little things around us. Since we don't have one, let us use our senses instead. It's called awareness. It's science, so it's free. I want you to focus on your environment. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing. Focus on where you are now. Is it a room? A city? A farm? A beach, a suburb. Let us use our eyes. What can you see? What are the things in front of you? Is it a tree? Are there birds? Is it an appliance, a TV, an electric fan? Now let us use our nose. What can you smell? Is it a smell of a perfume, an old wood? The smell of your own breath? The smell of your fabric conditioner? The smell of an air freshener? Focus on that smell. Now let us use our ears. What can you hear? Is it the sound of the dogs barking outside? The sound of your breath? The sound of your computer? The sound of cars and bikes outside your house? Focus on those sounds. Now let us use our sense of touch. Focus on your fingers. Can you feel those tickling sensation? Can you feel the heat or coolness of the weather wherever you are? Is it a good feeling? Is it humid? Focus on those feelings. Now bring them together. The sights the sounds, the smell, the feelings, focus on them. This is what you call awareness. Do this practice often. That's part 3 of the Kung Saan Saan Podcasts, The Art of Getting Easily Fascinated series, featuring 
Hainaya Natagham by Teacher Red. <music>